From New York's Hudson River Valley, I'm Ed McCann, and this is Read 650. Read 650 celebrates writers and the spoken word, five minutes and 650 words at a time. And on today's show, we shine a light on summer jobs with original true stories from Lynn Edelson, Kathy Curdo, and Jack O'Connell. I'm at the circus asking the man behind the hot dog counter for a job. He looks at me and smiles. How old are you, kid? What I want to say is, how old do I have to be? It's the summer after graduation. Until my father finds somebody to replace Chip, the guy who got busted for stealing from the cash box, I'm working at the car wash every day except for Sunday. I was mending from heart bypass surgery and shopping for a prescribed exercise rehab facility. I was told about the measured walks around a track at this state-of-the-art facility. I figured I could do this on my own. And on today's Between the Lines segment, Stephen Lewis recalls sharing writing advice with an aspiring niece and nephew. I happily assumed the pose of the kindly uncle professional writer encouraging those moments of real resonance and gently, ever so gently, making one or two standard issue suggestions about showing, not telling. That's coming up right now on Read 650. Do you remember your first summer job? Of course you do. Whether an exercise in character building or simply a means to an end and some cash for the weekend, summer jobs have the unique feature of an end date, autumn, creating seasonal brackets around an employment experience that, for many of us, launched us into young adulthood. We've got three summer job stories to share today, all recorded at our summer jobs event at Michael Dorff's City Winery in New York City. We begin the show with Lynn Edelson. Lynn has been writing memoir for the past 10 years and is currently at work on a collection of short stories. Here she is on stage at City Winery reading Dog Days. I'm at the circus asking the man behind the hot dog counter for a job. He looks at me and smiles. How old are you, kid? What I want to say is, how old do I have to be? Fourteen, I answer reluctantly, because after all, I am still my mother's daughter. Honor and integrity. No child can possibly live up to those words, but they are her guideposts as she parents us. That is not honorable, she says quietly. Not go to your room, not you're a liar, but where is your integrity? He looks at me again. Fourteen, huh? You got working papers? I left them at home, I lie, because I am also my father's child. (laughs) He grew up on the streets of Brooklyn when his family didn't have enough money to buy food for his six brothers and sisters. Honor and integrity were luxuries he could not afford. Well, I can't pay you a lot, the hot dog guy says, but come back tomorrow with your papers and we'll see. I tell my mother I'm going to be selling hot dogs at the circus for the 10 a.m. show. 
If she signs the form for the working papers today, I can pick them up tomorrow. You're too young, she says, shaking her head. I'm going, I tell her. Ask your father, she says, hoping he'll say no. Well, my father says yes. He likes that I'm scrappy like him. I work one shift and then two. I imitate the guy who yells to the crowd, get your hot dogs here, get your hot dogs. And people line up and hand me money and smile at my moxie. I laugh, I eat hot dogs for breakfast, and I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> hey, kid, the hot dog guy says as he hands me $4. I can't pay you for the second shift today. I'm not sure what to do. But you said I could work, I say. Yeah, but this is how these things work out sometimes, he says, as he hands me an extra 50 cents. Think of it as your training day. Training day? I sold more hot dogs than he did. Come back tomorrow, and we'll see how it goes. We both know I will be back. Lynn Edelson has performed her work as part of the New York City Listen to Your Mother show, and she's made seven trips to the Reed 650 stage for live events in New York City and Westchester County. She's the mother of two grown sons and lives in the Hudson Valley with her husband, Michael Principe, and their two dogs. Kathy Curdo teaches at the Writing Institute at Sarah Lawrence College and at Montclair State University, and she serves on the faculty of the Joe Papalio Writers Workshop in Cetera, Italy. But as a teenager, long before she spent time helping tune up essays and manuscripts, she washed cars and lots of them. Here's Kathy, recorded at City Winery, reading Closing Time. It's the summer after graduation. Until my father finds somebody to replace Chip, the guy who got busted for stealing from the cash box, I'm working at the car wash every day except for Sunday. My parents opened the car wash a few months ago on a small piece of property behind what used to be Fred's Texaco, but what's now Holiday Service Center. So now the family business is called Holiday Service Center and Car Wash, which is hilarious and pathetic at the same time. <laughs> Holiday is the opposite of what I'm on when I'm here. I get in at 8 in the morning and leave at 5.30. I let the last car go through at 5, because by the time I count my cash box and record the day's numbers, it's about 5.15, which leaves me the last 15 minutes to open the safe put the money in, double-check the master water valve, and triple-check the breakers before locking up. But yesterday, a lady pulled up in an old rattling Buick at 510. I was counting the singles when I looked up, and she rolled down her window. Sorry, we're closed, I yelled through the opening between the glass door and the little office space that is my grotto when we are slow and nobody wants shiny cars. It's where I read and wonder what heaven looks like. She yelled back, please, sugar. My girl, she needs a cleaning real bad. I shoved the stack of singles in my pocket and walked toward her and her Buick. The hood was speckled with residue of rust and bird shit. Her stubby dry fingers flew across the dusty maroon dashboard. Coffee-stained letters and what looked to be unopened bills 
fell to the floor of the passenger side. I leaned into her window, her open window, to say, I started closing out my cash box already, ma'am, sorry. But then I smelled a weird combination of salami and rubbing alcohol. <laughs> my eyes moved from her fingers to her hair, which was black and greasy, and some of it was gone. Portions of her scalp showed. Yeah, I, I guess she kind of does, I said, and turned away. I looked at the main operating panel that held the buttons for all the washes and waxes and shine options. Then I looked at the grimy hood of her Buick, the car she calls her girl. Then I looked at the hairless spots on her head. Please, sugar, she pleaded. I got a five here somewhere. She turned away and opened the glove compartment. Now it was ketchup packets and what looked like an old black and white photograph of a man in a soldier's uniform that fell to the floor, landing on top of the letters and bills. Why don't you go ahead and take your foot off the brake and put it in neutral, ma'am? I got this one today. Free washes don't happen every day here. My father says it's company policy to save the free washes for the good customers, people who are regulars. I never saw this woman before, not even once. Definitely not a regular. She's very much irregular. And that's the reality that knocked me down. Her irregularity and all that went with it. The smell of salami, the bird shit, the old ketchup packets, her girl, that Buick. All of a sudden, it mattered. I thought, what if? I imagined her sitting in a fancy, swiveling beauty parlor chair her legs crossed, a cup of tea in one hand and a slick magazine in the other, her hair being styled in a shiny high beehive. I looked one more time at the soldier boy on the floor. Then I pushed hard on the blue button labeled The Works at Holiday and watched her and her girl fade into the last wash of the day. Kathy Curdo is the author of Not For Nothing, Glimpses Into a Jersey Girlhood, published by Bordagara Press. Her work has been featured on NPR in the essay collection Listen to Your Mother, What She Said Then, What We're Saying Now, and in the New York Times, among others. Kathy lives in the Hudson Valley with her husband and their four children. Jack O'Connell is a New York City native presently living on Long Island with his wife Margaret. He is a working actor with extensive film credits, including Doubt, Big Night, Inside Lewin Davis, and many others. Jack's contribution to our summer job show isn't about a teenage experience, but a rather mature one. Here he is telling it on stage at City Winery in New York. This is Jack O'Connell reading Doctor's Orders. Don't worry, Mr. O'Connell. Your insurance will cover it. That line alone told me the cardiac rehab service was overpriced. It was late winter, 2001. I was mending from heart bypass surgery and shopping for a prescribed exercise rehab facility. I was told about the measured walks around a track at this state-of-the-art facility, and walking was something I loved to do. And the distance prescribed was not a factor. And yes, it was overpriced. I figured I could do this on my own. A walk around the west end of Jones Beach was three miles. 
While measuring the distance the next day, I came upon a notice. Seasonal help wanted, part-time laborers, $6.91 an hour. I was hired and told the starting date would be mid-April. On April 16th, my boss, Quinny, handed me a hat, pair of gloves, and a pick stick and told me to go out and pick anything that didn't grow. <laughs> Along the bay, past the Coast Guard station, beside the inlet, and back again. Mostly plastic, buckets, fishing tackle, bottles, and many deflated party balloons. I love the freedom of walking alone. Fresh air, flora starting to bloom in the brush, and mostly the quiet. A communion with nature, my own rehab. Most employees during the summer months were high school or college students. I was known as the old guy, or the crazy old guy. <laughs> When I suggested they change the bucket water before mopping the restrooms each morning, <clears throat> after a while I never spoke much to anyone, kept to myself. Things seemed to work better that way. I was there to gain my physical strength, not make friends with kids young, young enough to be my children. At lunch, I would sit in my car, looking out at the ocean, with sandwich and jug of water, radio playing, music of your life. And now, the number one tune of 1955, <laughs> Perez Prado's Cherry Pink and Apple Blossom White. <laughs> As the trumpet slid down and then up, before the melody, my eyes closed and drifted back to Rockaway Beach in the summer of 55, my mother handing me an egg salad sandwich wrapped in wax paper and a cheese glass filled with grape Kool-Aid. Now, thinking that I sit here, 15 miles to the east, looking at the same ocean, same tune, while trying to preserve that mambo spirit in my heart. My summer job was just what the doctor ordered, minus the egg salad, now replaced with lettuce and tomato. The Kool-Aid went out with asbestos. My last day would be September 13th, a Thursday. On Friday, I was scheduled to start rehearsals for Arthur Miller's All My Sons, out at the Hampton Theater Company in Quag. This beach job was actually a good physical warm-up for that role. On the early morning of Tuesday, September 11th, with my helper Robert next to me in the cab of our pickup, we set out to pick the beach. While driving along the high tide line where most of the debris lines up, Don Imus's voice came crackling through our walkie-talkie. Imus said that a plane had crashed into the World Trade Center. My first thoughts were that this was some silly radio prank, but soon learned differently. 
Just then a feeling came over me similar to the morning in January when I was wheeled onto an elevator to go up to the operating room. Cleanly scrubbed, all was out of my hands. I prayed that morning on the beach as I did on the elevator at St. Francis Hospital. My heart ached for the victims, their families, for all of us. And I knew that morning what my young co-workers were to find out, that we are helpless at times, and at times we are the helpers. Jack O'Connell's numerous TV credits include Mad Men, Nurse Jackie, and Vinyl. And he's currently seen on the Emmy Award-winning Netflix hit, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, playing Jerry, the elevator operator. Richard Kolath is our executive producer. I'm your host and Read 650's founder. Our editorial team includes Stephen Lewis, David Masello, Lisa Donati-Mayer, Karen Duquesne, and Shelley Sadler-Kenny. Our announcer is Fran Tuno, and the show is produced with generous assistance from Jim Russick and Sarah Caldwell. We'll be back with more after this short break. I'm Ed McCann, and this is Read 650. Support for Read 650 comes from City Winery, a fully functioning urban winery offering intimate concerts, food and wine classes, private events, and fine dining. City Winery strives to deliver the highest-end combined culinary and cultural experiences to guests passionate about sharing wine, music, and good food. City Winery brings the wine country experience to the city. View the complete event schedule at citywinery.com. Stephen Lewis is a novelist and longtime freelancer with numerous publication credits, including the New York Times, the LA Times, the Christian Science Monitor, and many others. On today's Between the Lines segment, Steve reflects on the advice he shared with young family members and thoughts on his own writing career. Here's Stephen Lewis reading The Writing on the Wall. Back in the 80s, I'd sometimes find in my battered rural mailbox pressed between self-addressed stamped envelopes from Harper's or The Atlantic, manila envelopes stuffed with stories written by my sister's son, Pete, my brother's son, Jake, and my sister-in-law's daughter, Isabel. As I read the ripped notebook pages speckled with whiteout, I happily assumed the pose of the kindly uncle professional writer, encouraging those moments of real resonance and gently, ever so gently, making one or two standard issue suggestions about showing, not telling. Whereupon having fallen prey to my own fiction as a successful writer, I would return to my writing space, racked with guilt. I was a poser. Aside from a few chapbooks of poetry, one from New Erections Press, 1969, of course, and a textbook on emergency care, a long and boring story. My so-called career as a writer meant supplementing my crummy teaching wages by composing cute pieces on fatherhood for austere publications like Seattle's Child, L.A. Parent, and Baby Talk. I took small comfort in the not unreasonable assumption that the children would never be harmed by my charade. They would graduate high school and college and head into careers with corner offices doing something, anything, 
other than entering the heartbreaking world of writing and be no wiser about their fraudulent Uncle Steve. Thirty years later, though, gangly funny Pete is now Peter Steinfeld, screenwriter, drowning Mona, analyze that, be cool, 21, and beautiful, sultry Isabel is Isabel Burton, executive editor at Shape Magazine, and sweet, thoughtful Jake is Jacob Lewis, former publishing director for Crown, Hogarth, and Broadway Books. Big enchiladas. And Uncle Steve? Papas Piquenas. Still hustling up columns and articles, running small writing workshops, writing books destined for the remainder table, and occasionally marveling at how I was an agent of the remarkable successes of my niece and nephews, however unintended, and the remarkable power of that old saw show, Don't Tell. Steve Lewis is a contributing writer at Talking Writing Magazine, a longtime member of the Sarah Lawrence College Writing Institute faculty, and he is senior editor and literary ombudsman for Read 650. His newest novel, The Lights Around the Shore, is published by Moonshine Cove. Between the Lines is a regular feature of our show, and we'd like to hear your take on any aspect of writing and the writing life. For details, click the Submissions tab on our website, read650.org, where you can also see story calls for upcoming shows. Check it out and see what inspires you. If you liked today's episode, please share it with someone in your life who you think will enjoy it too. And if you have a smart speaker, consider listening to the show while making dinner or doing chores around the house. We'd be happy to keep you company and keep you entertained. That's our show for today. Thanks again to writers Stephen Lewis, Lynn Edelson, Kathy Curdo, and Jack O'Connell. And for more Read 650, you can join our community on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you haven't done so already, please follow this podcast to receive new episodes each week. We'll keep them coming, and you can enjoy them whenever you like. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Ed McCann, and this is Read 650. Read 650.